Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ampliverse Book Club. This month, we read the thrilling novel, Song of Spider-Man, the inside story of the most controversial musical in Broadway history by Glenn Berger. Uh, Here is the lineup of today's book club. Juicy and entertaining Broadway Bill Dung's Roman, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, and both nearly unbelievable and deeply believable, RJ. Hi. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Good one. Thank yeah. you. It's just us two squirrel friends today. Um, summer's busy, so that's that's fine. Yeah. But we, because we're such geeks uh, and wanted to, <laughs> wanted to like know what literally happened in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, uh, we persevered and, and finished it. But uh, I am curious, let's start off the convo. You brought this book to us and I want to know, did. how did you like reading the book? And also tell us a little bit of how you came to bring this book over to the book club. You got it. So, you know, Orlando has this huge fringe festival. I know the largest know in the country. That. It's like the yes. biggest one in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And um, so one of the... Um, one of the shows that I saw at Fringe this year in May was called Spider Queen. And it was essentially based on this memoir. Okay. And it was, um, it was really fascinating. I was like, I almost didn't see it actually because it, mm. the show was at like 10 30 PM at, which is way on yes. a Wednesday. That is, is always tough about fringe festival. Yeah. It's like sometimes right? you get a really bad spot and you're like, this is the only time I can see the show. Cause it's against right. other shows that I want to see. Exactly. Everything overlapped this year. It yeah. was so hard, but, but another friend of ours, Jeffrey was going and he was like, you should come. I'll pick you up. You don't have to drive. I was like, okay, deal. <laughs> so, wow. Um, he drove yeah. all the way to pick yeah. you up. <laughs> well, well, he kind of lives on the way anyway. Like oh, okay, I'm kind okay, of okay. on his way. So it's not oh, too nice. big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I was just glad that I didn't, uh, cause I'm, cause we're not out where we were. We've moved. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, and it was really good. It was one of the best things I saw at fringe. Um, if not my favorite, it was definitely up there. And, um, the story was just fascinating. And I was like, there are definitely, you know, obviously it was short. I think Mm -hmm. it was, you know, one of the hour long ones this year, they had several that were 75 minutes, but I'm pretty sure this one was just an hour. So I was like, there is a lot more to this story that I'm Mm -hmm. not getting. And at the end of the, the play, they actually like shout out this book and they held it up and everything. I was like, I got to look into this. I, I have to, I was enamored. I was fascinated. I could not get enough Spider-Man content for like three weeks. What was the point of view of the show? Um, it was really, it was, it was really also Glenn's point of view. Okay. At the beginning, they did kind of this like artsy thing where it was almost like you were in the writer room, but it was really confusing. It didn't mm. make a lot of sense. And I was mm, like, very, very fitting. To- <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, I don't really understand what's happening. And then it became clear, um, you know, that, that that's what we were doing, that we, we, we got Glenn Berger. And then once I read the book, the play actually made more sense. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, because they, I guess they assumed that if you're coming to see this play, you knew something Something about about Spider-Man, nothing. I knew that um, there had been injuries. I thought somebody had died. um, Yeah, I thought due to the injuries. Yeah, so that that was, but that was pretty much all that I knew. I didn't know anything about the storyline. I, 
I probably knew somewhere in the deep recesses of my mind um, that Julie Tamer was involved, mm-hmm. but I had forgotten. Um, so anyway, what did, yeah. what was your so experience loved- reading the book? Oh, I loved it. I, I audio booked it as I tend to do. And um, it was, it, it was just like every 10 or 15 minutes, I would be like, why didn't this tell you guys not to do this? Why yeah. wasn't this the thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. But at the same time, I went on YouTube. I found every clip I could find from the damn show, like obsessed. I couldn't, I was like, I must know more. And I wow. I wish that there was some way for me to see Spider-Man 1.0, yeah. but it doesn't exist. So, but I wow. want to know like the whole Arachne thing, but it's just not, it's not a thing. So I'll never know. I'm very appreciative that you brought this book over to for us to read because I don't think I would have like obviously I'm a musical theater person, but I I don't think I would have gone out to look for it like it um, unless. Yeah, you know, unless like someone showed me something or reminded me of it that I'm like, oh, it's interesting. I think what really hooked me was the fact that Glenn, who wrote who co-wrote the script, wrote this book. So it is a yes first person narrative of what happened and what the journey was and yeah as I was reading it I really enjoyed it there were a lot of moments where I gasped like audibly gasped and I don't think I do that when I read and this was one that I was like and I I can't wait to get to to what those parts are because there were a lot yeah um and I I just really enjoyed that he took us he was telling the story of spider-man he was there obviously he was trying to to do his best to like get every detail but you know he makes it very clear that like this was just also this also like evokes how it was like when i was there mm-hmm. and like the feelings the pressure and i felt mm-hmm. like that was my biggest uh the biggest thing that i really related to was just feeling that like you know pressure cooker yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Lots of those moments. And the other thing that's really interesting is that like, I wonder if you found this reading the physical book with the audiobook. it really was quite funny. Like, like, yes, like yeah. ironic, funny, you know, yeah. but, but he, and it's read by the author and he, yeah. and he does like put, it's even more like, this is his story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. yeah I, there's definitely like, it's written down that like, uh, there's this kind of like, yeah, funny irony about like what they were doing. And, and he kind of goes into it of like, when he finally starts seeing the show and realizes that what they made was camp and like what they made was like completely like the opposite of the anything opposite ever of like wanted. this. Yes. It's like the classic definition of camp of like, they're trying to make this so serious and really mean something, but because nothing is going right, it just becomes like a camp. Farce. Yes. Like a farce that I was like, I almost wish that if that had, and obviously they ran not, with that. I know I'm not obviously fixing a multi-million dollar <laughs> musical. I don't want to be uh, yeah. that producer, right. but I, I almost wish that someone was like, it's a comic book. Let's right. Let's live it up. But I think there were so many things uh, involved at that beginning stages that really kind of set them up for the pressure cooker that they were about to enter. Yeah. And one of the main things that they, talk about uh what 
Glenn really explores in his writing and this experience is the idea of hu- hubris of like yes. excessive pride uh, to the point that it almost like, you know, kind of consumes people. And I wanted well, to kind of like talk about that. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the major irony and part of the reason that I was so desperate to find the <laughs> Arachne version of this yes. show yeah. is that huge irony that that is the story of Arachne. I know. The story of Arachne is about hubris and for, for them to be so blind until it was way Until it late. was literally in front of them. <laughs> yeah. Even after it was literally in front of them, even after that, it was like, oh God. Yeah, yes. there's like a really awesome moment where Glenn was describing kind of like the 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 fury of of Julie Taymor as like the previews were happening and like being yelled at and like all these things yeah. and he was like I'm I'm literally Peter Parker she is literally arachne what yeah. have we gotten into yeah uh, art imitates life yeah so let's talk about hubris because there are a lot okay. of big egos. Not even like, e- not even ego in the, in the negative word. It's just like big personalities, big names that are, yes. and like big reputations attached to these names. We'll start off. And with- then there's Glenn Berger. And then there's Glenn. I know. And I he, know, I know. and he, and he feels that so hard the whole time. And every time he's like, my mortgage. Yes. Or I had to pay for the- this meal. Absolutely. That was, was like, like my favorite. That was like, honestly, one of my favorite things about the book was that he, there was obviously, person. yes, he is a real person. He, and although like he definitely like defends himself sometimes of like, I literally have Emmys. So like, I am, I right. know that I am not. I'm someone, not garbage. Yes. Right. I I know that I belong here, but because I am here, it's so hard to keep, keep note of that. Um, yeah. And I think like the, definitely the mortgage and the like water bill was like one of the biggest things that I was like, oh, like. Oh for God, for ma- majority for the dog the majority of these people that are involved in this this is just their livelihood yeah you know trying to make ends meet and uh he really explores like the hubris of the the people yes, that yes, are yes. kind of like at the forefront of this this may above. not be yes financially this is, above yes. yes this is just like a little this is just more like reputation <laughs> rice yeah exactly yeah um yeah yeah I do All want right, to start with personalities. Yes, I want to start with Bono and the Edge because I think I will I say I really thought that they were going to come through as like something's going to be off, but they stayed pretty chivalrous the entire book that I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah. And um, the way that they were portrayed in the play was <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about Bono or Edge. <laughs> Edge had like two words. And yeah. was basically standing there with sunglasses the whole time <laughs> and was like, and then Bono was bananas. Oh yeah. Bananas. He was just, and, and I mean, I guess there is an allusion to that in, um, or I guess that is an allusion too in the, in the memoir, when he talks about how Bono just, what did they call it? Where like, he just starts saying random. Yeah. Stuff. Like Bon, it's not Bonoisms, Bongolese, bon, Bongolese. Bongolese. Yeah. Yes. The <laughs> Which Bongolese. is like his own language. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and, and I mean, I get that. Like, I know that everybody that writes music has a totally different way of doing it. And so it makes mm-hmm. sense. He, the way that he does it is it's the music first and the words come later. Yeah. Um, for a musical, that's an interesting choice <laughs> yeah. um, when you have to write a story, <laughs> but <You> okay. <laughs> yeah. But I think what really kind of like what I loved about 
writing about Bono and the Edge was that there were so many moments of like Bono was running late to certain meetings and he was like, this is just something I had to take care of. And then Glenn realizing like, yeah, he had to talk to President Obama or like he had to like, <laughs> like he had to like free refugees, like like actual right. like, humanitarian work. And yeah. it, 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 it was kind of like this beautiful, like going back to always, because Glenn would always bring back the like, we're just trying to put on a play, like to kind of like, and I wonder, like, did that kind of, did that kind of like feeling also convey in like listening to him, like talk about it? Yes, it was, it, it was a lot like, um, so the, the, the fringe show was in one of the black boxes. So it was kind of an intimate setting. And okay. this was very like that too. It was very much like listening um, it, to this. And it is an intimate story, yeah, you know, yeah. man. And, and um, to, to just the way that he kind of at first was like, I cannot even speak to these people. Right. Like yes. he like, and then all of a sudden, and then he's like, okay, now we're buddies. Yeah. Um, but it was also interesting towards the end, the relationship that he had with Bono and Edge when they were just kind of trying to figure out how to, they all knew that something needed to change and they all knew that Julie wasn't going to change it. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out how to do that. And what I would be interested to know, because I feel like Glenn really did have a a, a huge um loyalty to Julie. Yes. Um, but a lot of people, including Julie appeared to definitely not feel like that by the end. Yeah. And I I'm curious as to know how much loyalty Bono and edge had to Julie as yeah. well. You know what I mean? It, and it seemed was also like interesting this was during across the universe too. Like, <gasps> Oh yes. Have you seen, I have not seen across the universe. Oh so. my God. I, I was one of those people, you know, how she was like, people love this. They're seeing it in the theater all the time. I saw the movie in the theater like five times. I was in, I was a freshman in college. It was, it was my aesthetic. You were like, this is speaking to me. (laughs) It was. And then as soon as it came out on DVD, we would go down to like the conference room in our freshman dorm. And uh, one of our friends figured out how to plug up his computer to the smart board, because back then that was not something everybody could do. And we were playing it on the big screen. We would just sleep down there (laughs) watching across the universe till four in the morning over and over again. It was ridiculous. So yeah, I love across the universe. (laughs) So Um, you would have, you would have held out. You would have been there at 1.0. I would have, I would have, (laughs) I, that's why I want to see it. I'm like, and here's the other thing. I feel like the ideas that they had in the beginning were amazing. Yeah. And then they slowly came to realize that the technology was not where they were yet. Yep. And then they had to, they they had to make one compromise and then another compromise and then another compromise and then another compromise. And then their multi-million dollar web didn't work, you know, like anyway. So. Yeah, I I think it now is a great time to to talk about Julie Taymor. And I what I really appreciated from the book, because I was really scared that it was going to be like, let's pin it on the woman, you know, let's pin it on the creative genius. Because, yes, like it's it's such a mixed bag because going into it, you know what you're going to get. This is the woman who like thinks like this is this is how her creativity works mm-hmm. and you, you get her to get Spider-Man 1.0 and yeah. 
it was, I think what was really frustrating was how inflexible that was. Yes. But like, it's hard because for her, the only proof points that she have of being so true to her vision worked. Lion King yeah. is still running on Broadway today. Lion King, billions, billions, <laughs> billions. Of dollars. Well, and and that's the thing I thought too was, you know, obviously we haven't even talked about Michael Cole. Yeah. No, was it Michael Cole? Who was the guy that at the very beginning? Didn't... Tony. Tony. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Tony. We haven't even talked about Tony. Yes. So originally, uh, Tony was the producer that was brought in to kind of like wrangle this all up. Uh, but unfortunately passed away. But Tony, like Glenn, kept during being contract like, signings. Yes, during signings. Actively at the <laughs> signings of the contract. Again, immediately, theater people are a superstitious folk. Yeah. Why was We that can't even say the Scottish play when we are We're, inside. <laughs> fully and completely. Why was that not your sign? I can't. I can't. But like the, Glenn kept being like he was a charmer and he had like the perfect attitude, I think, to like be able to carry this through. And I yeah. think that was like the first the first domino to fall down. Right. And, oh, for sure. And it, he had some some experience. Yes. Too. Yeah. So I can't help but wonder. Because the, this is this is my headcanon and I don't, you know, obviously this is just my opinion. Yeah. But knowing Disney, yeah. not knowing them, you know, intimately, but knowing them pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I feel confident that there were a lot of moments that Julie Taymor for The Lion King was like, give me this. And Disney said, no. Yeah. And she had nothing to you can't do anything. It's Disney, yeah. you know. So I I do have. A lot of I'm like, I wonder if Disney had taken the helm, you know, like they had a relationship with her. I wonder if Tony hadn't died and he had if he had more of a like, no, these like, could he have reasoned with her? Yeah. Not to not to pin it on her, because, again, I understand why she thought she was going to succeed. And I think that that first story was probably spectacular. Yeah. Um. So I, I just am I. It's it's all just like a it is a tragedy. It truly is. A it tragedy. truly is. It's like a full Greek tragedy, and Fully. That, the full irony that they were going for the Greek story to tell with the geek chorus and everything. yeah, it was amazing. I I also think like you know in every kind of like creative director, there's always like a creative producer or someone to kind of Walt and Roy, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Walt had the ideas, and Roy kind of kept him in line to make it actually right. possible. Mm-hmm. And I think. Julie just didn't have that Not after uh, and it died. and it ended up just being kind of like a free reign which again I don't blame Julie I just blame right. the whole situation and right. how they could have they could have avoided all of that right right, right. <laughs> at such an early place yes yes totally agree and and it's like I I know that in the book at some point um when they said that they were going to switch from the 1.0 to the 2.0, Glenn said, please, 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 can we record this? Please, yeah. please, please. And right. they didn't. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, like it hurt. It like it hurts my soul that that doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm sure that there were shortcomings because, again, the technology was not there yeah. to achieve what they wanted, what they saw in their head could not yet be put on the stage. And um, but at the same time. I feel confident 
that it's something that a lot of people could have looked past. Now, clearly it was, there were some problems because of the reactions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like the big thing about the technology and like all of those, you know, the spec, the spectacle Mm -hmm. was that they kept utilizing people that knew how to do it for movies, knew how to do it. No one ended up doing, it was like Julie was really the only one that like has worked on theater before. Like mm-hmm. it was basically like Julie, the stage managers, obviously, and like costume right. and set and the yeah. choreographer. But like the most important part, the first choreographer. Yes, the first choreographer. <laughs> yes, which is so funny because Chase Brock actually, I think, follows me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I think does he? Because I I once tech I once tweeted him because I think he was yes. Yep, that's amazing. follow each other because well, he was the he was <laughs> I don't know how he feels about about Spider-Man. Uh, he probably hasn't read the book yet. That's true. But he <laughs> uh Chase was the choreographer for that show Encore on Disney Plus. Oh where yeah, would, where they would like uh schools would like redo like they would reunite old cast members or whatever mm-hmm. in a high school production. Mm-hmm. He was the choreographer. Anyway, oh, that's cool. Um yeah, it just felt like the, they were relying so much on the technology and the ability to fly. But even like Glenn was like that thing where he broke his wrists, like the person that set that up was only used to like being able to do it for a shot. And right. then like, you know, them landing safely. But here on theater, you have to complete the whole. Right. Thing. Right. Well, and I and I I questioned if I wanted to watch the video of Chris Tierney, but Me I too. did. Did you go find it? No, I know okay, it's well, there. I don't want to watch it. I don't well, here, uh, fair, fair. But here's the thing. You can't really see. You can, it's, it's, yeah, it's not very close. Um, but the only thing that you can tell is that. So apparently, supposedly what he was supposed to do in that scene was just like dive. Yeah. But as soon as he leapt, he felt that there was no, there was nothing. So he, he, he does like a somersault. So then he landed on his back and not his head. So that's all that you really can tell is that he did this somersault because it goes black there anyway. So yeah. But, and then he fell into the orchestra pit, which obviously is not visible also. Um, So it was tough because you do see that tether just fly behind him. But, uh, but there's no physical, you can't, you don't see him hit because I, I could not have handled that. Um, Catherine, let's was... talk about, uh, the dangers of theater because God bless Catherine and I, <laughs> we we've seen some things we have seen, we have seen the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to like, uh, theater. So mm-hmm. we both were in Mary Poppins, very, very professional, fly systems shot that people were in the air it was insane but with all of that came with a lot of practice a lot of day like a lot of safety and security oh and um yeah and don't forget beauty and the beast with the beast transformation yes absolutely also took a lot of work yes a lot of work and then catherine and i were in a production of sweeney todd which was very Stripped Amazing. down, I would say. It was very good. We loved yes. it. Very stripped down, honestly. Yeah, but, yeah, it was. But because a piece of costume got caught on a set dressing, uh, a cast member fell and broke their arm live on stage. Yes, in a lot of places. And we had to, like, stop the show halfway through, like, at that moment. Yeah, it was uh, 
theater is a context sport. <laughs> and don't, don't let anyone, kids, if your parents are like, whatever, blah, 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 theater, you'd be like, no, people get hurt. This is serious business. People, it is, it is physical. It is exhausting. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot going into it. And I think like reading through all of the tech injuries, like physically made me <laughs> Oh my God. Well, and here's the thing though. I thought that Glenn had an excellent point in the book where he said, everybody has injuries, Yes, which is so true, Yeah, but they had this one dude that was fixated on them from the beginning. Yes, And so that's the other thing is it's like, obviously the Chris Tierney accident was huge, obviously. And that was due to negligence from a, a, you know, a a stagehand, which is also like, Oh no. Um, now the fact that Chris Tierney not only was like, no, it's cool. I don't blame him. Part of the job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then came back to the show. Now that blows my mind. Good for him. I'm glad he was in such, such a, such a, I'm glad that that's how that went for him. Those are like true adrenaline junkies that I could never relate to. I am, I will play it safe all the time. Yep. Y'all can fly up there. That's fine. I'll stay. I will gladly do the itsy bitsy spider in the corner (laughs) as long as I don't get near any of the aerials. Yep. Nope. We're not here for that. Nope. Oh my God. I actually, uh, at rehearsal once for into the woods, I, there were, there were nails sticking out of, uh, milky white. And when I grabbed it, Oh no. On my hand. So theater is, dangerous okay theater is dangerous so and and he i i think he brought up the idina menzel like a few nights from closing like so there are injuries it happens serious injuries yeah Yeah. but um but there's world really broadcast out there for everyone to see i think the biggest one that i mean the chris one is bad but when Mm -hmm. i read when i was actively reading the natalie mendoza concussion i was like that's bad That is very bad because the Mm -hmm. fact that she kept going and then it wasn't until the next day that was like, oh, by the way, I think I concussed myself hitting a a piece of pipe that I'm like, if she died in in her sleep, that would be done. Done. The show would be done. Done. (laughs) Done. And, and Remember when like, I got a concussion at Sweeney Todd? Oh, my God. And that wasn't even. Oh, my God. We should have known. We should have known. known. Like, oh my God, you're here? right. How can we sit here and look at this and go, they should have known when we have Listeners, listeners, <laughs> during rehearsal, I emphatically and excitedly like leapt out uh, and hit my head uh, on a piece of like plywood. And I literally was like, my eyes were swirling <laughs> and I had to be on like, concussion watch like for the rest of the night <laughs> i can't we should have known that that was wow glenn we totally glenn, we, we, get we get it <laughs> we get it we get it we uh, didn't realize how much we got it till just this just moment. now oh but we yeah but that was like the that was a scary one and also just like the pit in general the pit yeah. just absolutely terrifies me mm-hmm. when we did into the again back to into the woods it wasn't mm-hmm. our production but like 10 years before our school had done it Mm-hmm. And our baker's wife fell in the pit. Oh no. Just like tripped and fell in the pit. And oh, when he was describing no. the pit, I literally was like, no, he put a lip on the goddamn pit. <laughs> Even just a little lip to know. Yep. 
and put some spike tape on there so people know that the pit, like, come on. Spike it, people. Spike it is it. the least you could do. There is a, yeah. a full drop right in front of you. Like the least wow. you could do is a put little bit of spike there. tape. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I also watched now there aren't, to my knowledge, there are no recordings of um, the one you were talking about, the pull where um, if it wasn't at just the right degree and it wasn't and he broke both of his yes. wrists and then someone else, uh, I think, hit his head. There, yep. there were multiple injuries with that same stunt. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so I don't think there are recordings of those. Yeah. But I I, um, I was like, I don't know if I can handle that. I was not looking to look for that. But I wanted to see the stunt. Like yes. what is what I, I have what were they trying to achieve envisioning yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. And so I believe I found it. It's this moment where he like jumped back and it, it was like um, the ramp was up like, like this. Right. So that was the thing was if the ramp was off just the wrong way when his hands, cause he landed, you know, how mm-hmm. Spider-Man does with his hands like this, if the ramp was not at the right degree with the power of the fly systems that they were using, then that was it. Done. And the other thing that I'm just like, was the whole thing about the arena tour situation. I didn't even yeah. consider the fact until, until I was listening to this, that the fly systems in theaters are typically quite simple. Like we talk about Mary Poppins. Yes, it's beautiful and it's amazing, but we're lifting her into the air. Yes, literally she goes up. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So uh, this is not that. And um, I saw a clip of bouncing off the walls and he has this whole like gyrosphere on because he's doing flips and stuff. And, and they were like, the costumer said, there's no way to hide it. Of course, there's no way to hide it. I looked at it. It looked like headgear from the eighties. Like it was just immense. And I'm just like, why, why all of these things should have been like, okay. Like for example, with the Lion King, those costumes are so simplistic, but it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like there, surely there could have been a way to do that for this situation, you know, where he's not really flying, you know, I don't know. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, that is the thing that, that I felt like was, was missed was obviously you want to take a gamble. You want to, they had so much writing on them of like, this will be the, the most, the biggest spectacle Broadway's ever seen. Right. And I totally understand that, but I think like they, they had so many, they had so many red flags along the way that it was, it was kind of reckless uh, to not notice them along the way. Cause there, there were a lot. Right. Um, I think I real what I really felt for was that he did it obviously like he couldn't, it's not, you know, it's not journalism. So he wasn't like getting the point of view of every single person, but it was nice right. to get bits and pieces of like other people that were in there. So like the stage manager, when I love the like hold, like, I love all of those. It just took me right back. And I'm yep. like, you know, when you hear hold from the God mic that either something's going on takes me right back to uh, Mary Poppins and, and beauty and the beast in particular. That is the God mic. That is, Oh my God. Yeah. The God mic was the God mic was, uh, never as utilized as much as, as beauty and the beast and Mary Poppins. And, And I think like it really puts a perspective for me of like, usually when you're in a show in tech, it's a lot of bring your snacks. You're going to be sitting around. Mm-hmm. but it really is. It is the only opportunity where all of those, the spectacle comes together. Yeah. And it just, 
And when you've got millions and millions <laughs> and millions and additional millions riding on it, I can only imagine the pressure. Because we and felt I, that pressure and we have nothing. Right we, there was nothing. <laughs> Not a damn we were, thing. We were doing theater for literally fun. like fun for fun. <laughs> for fun. No one was getting a single dollar. From Not a shows, dollar. But nope. it was. Nope. Uh, I And I did like, you know, hearing about the stage managers. I liked hearing mm-hmm. about the choreography. And I especially loved kind of like the more singular accounts from the different performers mm-hmm. uh especially like with the whole natalie mendoza situation and then america having to fill in and like like glenn really like described like the pressures that she felt of right. like she knows she knows that she's not who julie wants to play arachne right now but it's like right. what else can you do and it's just oh I don't and know. similarly the tv carpio yeah. and how she all of a sudden went from one of the main characters to being in one scene you yeah, know or two yeah. scenes she got two I think but yeah. but it's like I can't imagine that level of disappointment too um not to mention the constant relearning of of I choreo of Stress aerial of, of lines like yeah. man I can't imagine but uh but yeah honestly having watched 2.0 mm-hmm. from somebody's purse <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about 2.0. I want to talk about okay. that. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It was camp. It was pure camp. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't as bad as honestly I was expecting. Like yeah. I didn't even think I would make it through the whole thing. Yeah. And my partner and I both, we sat there and watched the whole thing like together. And the only time we were, we would do this when they would put their phone in their purse. <laughs> Like, cause I like, think the only part, like the thing was like, Glenn was also having that discovery too. Cause obviously, and that's why I think the whole, his, um, his method of writing this as storytelling really worked because during 2.0 happening, it felt like so terrible. Like it was a dirge, you know, mm-hmm. that when it finally premiered, it was like the first time seeing like, Oh, okay. Like it wasn't as bad. Now it's just because ultimately it is now just another show on Broadway. Right. So that way it's like, it is perfectly palatable. It is like just cl- fully sanitized. Mm-hmm. And I almost like, I'm curious what you thought about like that decision of turning it to 2.0 and, and you know, the like work with Phil and Roberto and one line that really stood out to me was Phil being like, you know, or I don't even know if it was Phil, but there was something of like, being artistic isn't for Broadway. It's for off-Broadway. That's what off-Broadway is for, to be able yeah. to do this. And I just, that just, I immediately was like with Glenn at that moment. Right. Of yeah, like, that's gross. That's terrible. That's, that's horrible. Gross. That's gross. And the thing is that it's crazy to think that this wasn't that long ago. I mean, yeah. I guess it was, you know. 20... No, no. It was like 20, 2009. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. I think it closed. Didn't he say 2013 was when it, it closed in 2013? Yeah, it ran for three years. Yeah. Um. But uh, so so it's it's, you know, 10 years ago, essentially. And I think that that sentiment is nowhere near on Broadway anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? I think there is a great deal of artistic yes. freedom being taken on Broadway right now yeah. with six, with Town, like uh, with Hamilton, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I agree. so these big powerhouses of 
art and beauty and pushing the limits really um, destroyed that notion. And I think that was important because I felt exactly the same way. I was like, ew. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, as much as it was hard for them to, to, to go through this experience with Julie and, and the vision of 1.0, um, we have to make room for that. You know, like right. there has to be room for that also on Broadway. Right. We can't just right. kind of gatekeep it. So everything is, everything is a jagged little pill, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. no. And I, and I feel like, I hope, I say, I, I hope that if there hadn't been so many injuries, Mm -hmm. um, that they could have worked it out. Like, I think that really was, and, and I don't think that Glenn's emphasis was on that. I think that Glenn's emphasis was on the money and with this show passing through so many financial hands, I'm sure that that was a big part too, but the money combined with the bad press, I think were enough for them to oust. Julie, essentially, yeah. um, based on what Glenn is saying, I don't want to get sued. I know the lawsuits at the end, at the end almost really felt more just like, and, and Glenn said it like as an artist, your biggest tool is communication and, yeah. and revenge is a form of communication. And this was her way of, of kind of doing that, yeah. which I, I don't blame her, but I also, it's like hitting where it hurts the most because as, as, as Glenn has like done so well, really capturing that, like, I am, I am not in a place where everyone else is when it comes to money. Like, right. Well, and I hate that. I really, because of the relationship that they started to have, I really hate that she felt that he needed to be a part of that lawsuit. Um, and, and I, and I can understand, um, to some extent, why she felt that way. But I would have, it sounds, it sounded to me that he was really still in communication with her. Any questions that she asked him, he was answering. Yeah. And so it's like, if anything, is that not helping your lawsuits? Like, yeah. why? And he still took, I mean, him? he took this job to be able to work with her. With so her. like, the, this is, and I, if I was in Glenn's shoes, I would have done the same thing. Right. I can't blame him. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and at the beginning it's, it is, you know, obviously a cruel irony that at the beginning he made that joke to her, like, you know, how good of an idea is it really to make Mm -hmm. a Spider-Man musical? And she's like, like she took offense and he immediately, you know, he got his mind on track. (laughs) I didn't realize realize Spider-Man was back here this entire time. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned briefly Roberto and those conversations really, I was yeah. like, I didn't like that at all. That was, like, that's what I kind of really liked learning about during 2.0 was just the, the immediate, like the only way to solve it is completely 180. And it was right. just like, you don't, these people went through so much. You, the least you can do is kind of like meet halfway. And I, that's kind of like the gross part of, of making commercial theater that I don't like. Yeah. Who was it? I think it was Phil. Yeah. Uh, have you signed your contract yet? Yeah. Like I was like, that is the most toxic bullshit I have <laughs> ever heard in my life. Like, and I just, I, I hate that. I don't yeah. think that they needed to gut the show to, to fix it. Um, I did. I almost liked, 
I I did like Plan X of like mm-hmm. simplifying. Yes. But I, I think uh, what was nice was that like even the reviews were like most of Julie's vision is still here. That's if true. If not just more and sanitized. That's, that's so. true. That's true. That is, I was really curious about what kind of sex scene they were trying to have with Arachne and Peter Parker. <laughs> I know, so I know, I bummed know. I couldn't find that on the internet. But, you know, so if anybody God. has a recording. At this point, just way. make 1.0 in like a super stripped down black yes. box off Broadway. Like right. if if truly at the heart of it, you want the story to be told. Tell it. Tell it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I'm so happy that you brought this book to the book club. So thank you very much. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, keeping with the theme of superheroes for our next book club reading. Next month, we will be reading We Were Dreamers, an Immigrant Superhero Origin Story by Simo Liu. So toss, toss. I went to his book tour when he came to Chicago. So I actually got to see him talk about, you know, his experience writing this book. So I wanted to bring it to the book club so we can all talk about it, uh, you know. Yeah. So here's a, here's a little bit of what this book is. The star of Marvel's first Asian superhero film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, tells his own origin story of being a Chinese immigrant, his battles with cultural stereotypes, and his own identity, becoming a TV star and landing the role of a lifetime. In this honest, inspiring, and relatable memoir, newly minted superhero Simo Liu chronicles his family's journey from China to the bright lights of Hollywood with razor-sharp wit and humor. Um, We Were Dreamers is more than a celebrity memoir. It's a story about growing up between cultures, finding your family, and becoming the master of your own extraordinary circumstance. So that book, you can uh, grab a copy of it now and all of the books that we've read in the Ampliverse Bookshop. So if you purchase a book there, it not only helps the Ampliverse, but also a local bookstore in your area. So you can go check that out, bookshop.org slash shop slash the Ampliverse. The URL is right down there. Thank you so much for watching or listening along to the Ampliverse Book Club. You can find and follow us on social media at the Ampliverse on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, And finally, if you love the show and others we do here, feel obliged to tip a dollar or two. You can do that on our coffee linked on this episode, which helps keep the light on in our universe. Catherine, thank you again for joining Book Club. and hopefully, uh, I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see what schedules look like. We'll see what schedules look like. <laughs> Summer is going crazy, but um, it's always fun to speaking to catch of theater. Up. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes. She's back at it. She's oh, booked. Yeah. She's booked and blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining our book club, and we'll see you next month. Until then, read on. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.